0: Another edition of Rumble Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. This is a Hoop Ball Presentation. So check out Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets. Online hoop ball.com. We are steadily approaching the NBA season, getting closer and closer to under 40 days away uh, before the actual start. We're not even mentioning preseason. Uh, Hoopball has everything you need right now. Fantasy basketball leagues are opening up. Definitely make sure to check them out on Twitter to find out how you can get into these cash leagues for free leagues if you just want to have some fun with it. We I mean, got fun either way, but for fun with the way, you don't pay. Um, And just really learning from some of the best in the business to do it. Hoop-ball.com on Twitter at HoopballTweets. Jump on that, you know, take advantage of it, and get ready for this fantasy NBA season. All right. I am pumped, excited, honored again to be joined by good friend SBC alum, uh, there's, there's too many things to name to his credit, but I will continue to try. <laughs> Staff writer for Lakers <laughs> Nation, um, lead editor for Angels Nation. Uh, Ron, it, now, okay, I said this twice last time, two different ways. So I'm a horrible friend, but Guterman, right?
1: Well, it's it's actually pronounced Guterman. I don't See, really care. I knew
0: it. <laughs> okay. I Okay,
1: you you do whatever you feel is best for
0: you. I'm going to take. Okay, I'm going to take I'll tell you what happened. So I was I said it probably the wrong way 80 percent of the time last episode and i was listening to you on lakers nation and i was like listening while i was like working but i remember like trevor lane saying gutterman i remember gutterman that's and i remember going it's gutterman i'm like how would i know over him like,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah trevor trevor and i once i started doing work with him more often he was like okay don't tell me how you, you whether you care tell me exactly how it's actually pronounced and I was Yeah. Like, if we're doing that it's guterman
0: okay cool well listen we're, we're gonna get that over here i'm, I'm gonna take what's working <laughs> um so yeah that sounds good but ron guterman thank you again for coming on you can follow him on twitter at ron guterman 24 and definitely do that great nba content um baseball content lakers content specifically i enjoy uh but there's a lot for you there on twitter so definitely do that ron how you doing man
1: i'm doing great yeah thanks for having me on uh glad i'm excited to talk about all all we have to talk about today
0: Oh, definitely, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I get well the first part. I'd rather get past. Um, the <laughs> second part, though, is the beginning of a cool little project that we're starting to do here on Ramble Ramble. Um, this quote-unquote classic. I mean, they kind of are. Uh, NBA drafts, redrafts. Just a little fun to look back, um, have a good conversation, and and kind of see how deep these drafts were. Look at the teams and positions they were then, and you know where they could possibly fit now. Should be a lot of fun. But before we get into that. I'm so happy to have, just especially happy to have Ron on for this because, as you saw on my Twitter, and I made notice on last episode, I am like in active mourning. Um, I the the loss of Marcus for the Lakers is one I it, it just it it, it I, I thought I could still I was stuttering my way through it last time. And I still am. Basically, of course, you know, Lakers had Marc Gasol. We saw the year he had had last year. It was a weird, odd season for him. Um, Good start, you know. And then, of course, unfortunately, um, COVID injuries, all that hit. Uh, Lakers went and brought in Andre Drummond. That really kind of pushed Marc Gasol. Um, both figuratively and literally off the edge, where he at one point was like, hey, you know, uh, it seemed like he was going to request a buyout. He didn't. He said all the right things, but it just didn't seem right. Uh, it didn't help that Andre Drum didn't fit in exactly as well as the Lakers would have hoped. Uh, playoffs ended prematurely. Going offseason, not really sure what Marc is going to do, whether it's retire, return back to the team. Uh, no one knew. It looked like it was going to be fine, especially after Russell Westbrook was acquired, that he would stay and have a decent fit. But then the Lakers... Uh, went and oddly said first that AD was going to play more five. Okay. Marcus Gasol can't play the entire time at five at age 36. Then they bring in Dwight Howard. Eh. Kind of weird because, you know, Marcus Gasol would be more or less the back of five. Then there's talk about them bringing in DeAndre Jordan. And at that point, it's like, wait a second. Like, if you're bringing in DeAndre Jordan, like somebody is not going to play. And it might be the one guy who's still on your roster uh, from the year before that's slotted at the five. Sure enough, bring in DeAndre Jordan talks about Marc Gasol being out from the Lakers and then not even, what, a couple days later, Marc Gasol is basically salary dumped to Memphis, so he can either, well, for now, stay in Spain, but more than likely retire. Uh, That's just, like, the briefest recap I can give uh, that is coherent. Ron, what is your whole take on just the Gasol situation um, up to this point? And then we can kind of just
1: start crying together. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean— Look, Marcus saga was was strange in L.A. Right when when he got brought on, uh, the Lakers salary dumped JaVale McGee to Cleveland to open up the the space required to bring on um, to bring on Marcus All. It's a big thing. They signed him to a two-year deal, two-year minimum. Um, it's a very big deal. Everyone's excited. Marcus All coming off the 2019 championship with Toronto is ready to help helped the Lakers to be a perfect stretch five next to Anthony Davis. And it, it starts off pretty great. I mean, the Lakers were 22 and six last year with Marcus Saul as the starter, as the starting center every game. Um, they like th- this was a good fit. He gets COVID injuries start to happen. Next thing you know, Andre Drummond's being brought in. And while Andre Drummond, of course, is more talented than Marcus Saul at this point on paper, uh, the fit made more sense with Marcus all. And when Andre Drummond was hurt, when he signed with the Lakers, started playing with the Lakers, and then got hurt, Marcus All came back and was incredible. So it, yeah. it, it was it was just this awkward thing of every time Marcus All was playing, he was helping the team win. And yet the Lakers kept trying to make excuses and like push him out of the rotation. So it makes the it makes the moves they did this offseason, it makes it make sense, you know uh, bringing on DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard and shipping Marcus All off to, to Memphis so that he can stay in Spain. It's more of just a, a confirmation that they never really felt that he fit, whether it was within the locker room culture or on the court. They clearly just felt he wasn't a fit, and I, I'm not 100% sure why.
0: That, that's kind of the question I was about to ask you. I don't get it because, like, for one, you, you I mean, you know better than this than, than most, but, like, of course, the passing body. I mean, I think he hooked up LeBron so many times. There's been great Lager pieces about kind of the loss of um, Gasol, whether not to overreact or not, but just in terms of, um, like, his importance to that team. I thought he was amazing at fighting LeBron, uh, just in terms of anyone, point guard or not, that has played alongside him. There's literally reels of him just, like, hooking up LeBron off of cuts, for dunks and easy layups, like, making his points easier to come by in a way that I haven't really seen done in a couple of years, especially since LeBron's been in L.A. Um, So that was one thing. The the spacing that he did provide, yes, you know, Gasol has been, I want to say, always more of a reluctant shooter from deep since he started shooting the threes, but even so, the theoretical spacing he provided just because he couldn't knock them down was huge, and the fact that he did knock down threes was a, a big addition to provide some semblance of spacing on Lakers teams that have been historically starved for them, um, over the last couple of years, again, since LeBron came, the Lakers have been, like, what, a subpart of a low-average three-point shooting team to get some solid three-point shooting, especially in a position where you don't usually get it from L.A. Like, that's super great. I mean, he's the last, like, theoretical force spacer they've had since they did that dumb trade for uh, Mike Muscala a couple years back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and, he's,
1: and he's certainly better than Mike Muscala was at any point in Mike Muscala's career. No offense to him. He's, uh, you know, I'm sure he's a great guy, just... Really horrible trade there. But yeah, Marc Gasol, he fit fit what the team was trying to do on the court. Now, obviously, when they brought in Drummond, there was some controversy. Marc Gasol was leaning towards requesting a buyout. And yes, he backed out of that. But I think the relationship just never recovered from there. I, I do think that there was just a little bit of locker room angst in terms of like Gasol felt that he wasn't appreciated and the Lakers felt like Gasol wasn't really fitting into their culture. If that's the case and both sides mutually agreed that it wasn't a fit, then I get it. But on the court, it it just made a lot of sense to have Marc Gasol, even if he's playing in a really limited role, 15 minutes a night type thing. It it made sense to have him. So just from a a basketball perspective, I don't love it. But if there is locker room issues, then of course you can't have that around the team the whole season.
0: No, no, you're right. It's just not – a good match it doesn't work it doesn't make sense in that way I, I 100% uh, agree with you on that I think the sad thing for me is okay let me ask let me phrase it this way do you think the Lakers appreciate what Marcus saw brought to the table because I was so hyped about his addition in the offseason you know with Montrezl Harrell more so than anyone else because I thought like wow this is like again, the veteran experience, the past of the shooting, the, the championship pedigree from a guy like Marc Gasol. Forget the Powell-Gasol connection, which was also kind of cool. Um, but it turned out that, yeah, it was like Powell-Gasol if we had him 2015 or 2014. Like, it was just, it was like all of the uneasy vibes and, you know, the flashes of good play and, yeah, not being as effective as maybe they think that they were, but, like, being as effective as, like, Lakers fans probably hope they were and, like, the record looking back will show probably better than they actually retreated. Like, like what is your, your outlook on why he possibly didn't fit in? If you think that that was really like, if you think he didn't fit in,
1: you know, I do think a part of it is, is they didn't appreciate what he brought to the, to the table on the court. Um, But oh, I also yeah. think that I also think that the Lakers are, are a team, the way they're currently constructed, the way the organization is, I feel like they're a team that. They want their guys. You know, LeBron wants his guys. Anthony Davis wants his guys. Rob Palenka wants the people that he knows and he's trusted for a very long time. And so I think Marcus All didn't really fit into that mold from the beginning. So when he was starting to, you know, be less effective than they hoped on the court, they kind of used that as their opportunity to say, OK, now let's go get our guy because this didn't work, even though the jury was still out.
0: Yeah, they were quick to to, to pull a plug, basically, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, that's how I, I see it.
0: Wow, I mean, looking back, it's very it's gonna be probably a very short segment to close this out. Uh, what will you remember about the Marcus uh, Sala? it's not even an era. The Marcus passing. passing. Um, <laughs> nope, that's worse either. The Marcus year in L. A. There we go. Um,
1: honestly, like the 20 the 2020 season in general, as as snake bitten as it was. I said it earlier. They were 22 and 6 to start the year. This team had so much potential, and part of it is because of what Marcus all brought. This team had a ton of potential. So I, when I look back at Marcus all's time in L.A., I, there's going to be some bitter memories of you know him wanting a buyout and and they're just not being a good fit within the organization. But I'm also going to remember that when he played, the Lakers were really really good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. When he played like that 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 I think is really really fire. Um the fact that the 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 proof was on the court, you know? Like it worked out well. He did just his job. He wasn't coming in as a star. I thought he was a significant cog in in the machine that the Lakers were. And unfortunately, one of the casualties of a lot of other things that hit the Lakers that I think wasn't specific to him, but that the Lakers front office uh m- misevaluated and attributed to, oh, we need to upgrade here. Oh, we need to upgrade there.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a part of it, too, where they kind of they missed the mark. And, and obviously, Andre Drummond is a very talented player. I don't want this to be a slight of Andre Drummond. no. But- I think Lakers fans were were pretty cognizant when they signed him that hey this is gonna be an awkward fit this doesn't really make a ton of sense so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where it's like maybe they misevaluated what they actually needed maybe they didn't need um, a guy like Andre Drummond to come in maybe they they could have done with Marcus All and Montrezl Harrell and just you know suffered the defensive shortcomings that came with that
0: yeah and then you know maybe uh played um ad more of the five you know when yeah. those uh, weaknesses became too much <laughs> I have to ask you one last question because this kind of goes back to when they did get Andre Drummond I again like like I agree with you I get very very critical of him um and his Lakers experience not because he did anything bad just that he did exactly what I thought he would do which was kind of you know have his moments but mostly be an, an a- awkward fit you know um and so like when he was brought in who did you want to kind of be looked at? What kind of like, whether you had a player or position, whatever the case may be, what was like your target um, for the Lakers midseason edition? Cause for me, it wasn't a big at all. I was looking for a wing. Um, you know, they, they had late like Gorgie Jang and others were available. And I'm like, eh, like they don't really move the needle that much. And like Andre Drummond moves the needle, but like maybe not in the right direction that you're looking for. Like it, it wasn't a hundred percent like perfect for me, but I was hoping that they would get like another wing or something, but like, what were you looking
1: at? Yeah, I mean, honestly, and it's and it's funny now because he's now with the Lakers. I, I was looking at Wayne Ellington. I, I was saying, I was saying the Lakers need another guy that they can put on the floor who won't be afraid to shoot, who who will just grab the ball and he will just shoot it, and he will he'll make it forty percent of the time. Like they had Ben McLemore, but Ben McLemore's shortcomings are are really too much to overcome sometimes when he's not hitting threes at the rate that he wants to. So I really felt that Wayne Ellington was a really good fit, and obviously he did not he did not go the buyout route with Detroit. He stuck out the season, which good for him, um, and he's now with the Lakers. So great. But he was kind of the guy I was looking at, hoping that somehow a buyout would materialize, him or um, I believe Otto Porter Jr. He he ended up being injured for most of the rest of the year. Yeah. But Otto Porter Jr. was a guy when he got he got dealt to Orlando, I believe, at the deadline. And there was kind of a hope that he would get bought out, but he also finished out the contract and is now with the Warriors. So I mean, good for him.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're right. I, I, like, we'll see how it looks for him. Um, you know where he fits in. Hopefully being healthy, knocking wood there that that stays. Um, it, well, it doesn't stay, but it comes back to being solid for him. I'm 100% with that. But you're right. Like, Wayne Ellington might what might have been, I think, a nice pick. And it's funny, like you said, it worked out the way that it did because he's with the Lakers now. But like. I think that is more of the move that I wish the Lakers would have acquired, um, you know, during offseason. Maybe we'd still, or not offseason, but midseason. Maybe we'd still mm-hmm. have Mark Gasol. But I'm going to pour out a little bit of my uh, orange vanilla Coca Cola later for Mark. I just, <laughs> I thank you for joining me Um, just to kind of reflect on that for a minute because it was odd and kind of sad. And like I said, it reminded me to end of the Paul Gasol era. Like it was just, it just felt like when you're trying to talk to somebody and like you just keep having a series of like, Talking to someone like dating, you just have like a series of miscommunications, like where you're just trying to, you know, connect, and it's just like it's not happening, you know. And then you realize, like, okay, maybe this just isn't a good fit, you know. Yeah, it
1: it really just felt like they were looking for a reason to move off of him, and they found their reason with DeAndre Jordan. And I I believe that it can work in terms of kind of recreating what they had with Javale and Dwight two years ago. I believe that it can work. But yeah, I mean, Marcus Alls obviously a better fit than DeAndre Jordan, but it it doesn't, you know, I I trust the vision of let's recreate Javale and Dwight because it worked so well two years ago.
0: Yeah, so many Laker fans um are like, hey, we shouldn't have left 2020. You know, we should have kept that same formula that worked so well. There was no reason to switch it up. They have a valid argument. I agree. It did win the championship. No real reason. If all it took was bringing them back, and you're bringing them back now for the most part, with the exception of DeVille McGee, um, at least in archetype of player, then no, it it really didn't hurt them to stick to that plan. With that being said, the fact they did bring in some diversity there, some versatility, I thought wasn't the worst thing in the world. But um, yeah, real quick, moving from Gasol, uh, just kind of transitioning to DeAndre Jordan. How do you think the fit will be? You said you like it if they're kind of replicating that 2020 um, kind of formula. Is that, and this is, I guess it's two schools of thought here. One is that you have AD playing more of the five with Dwight being like the starter at the five, but really the primary backup. And then DeAndre Jordan being like the depth piece uh, after, you know, Dwight, then AD at the five and then him. Um, Another school of thought is that, no, the AD at the five was just another annual tradition we have every year um, where he's not going to play the five a whole lot. And now you have that five spot secured with Howard and Jordan. So like, what do you look at and where do you fall on that, uh, on that meter there?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think uh, Dwight Howard will sort of go into JaVale McGee's role from 2020, where he's he's in the starting lineup during the regular season and he's the primary backup. Uh, And then Dwight Howard becomes DeAndre Jordan, where it's the the backup during the regular season and then the break glass in case of a specific matchup uh, during the playoffs. So I think that's kind of where I see this going. I believe in Dwight to be the starter, I'm not sure how much I like Russell Westbrook and Dwight Howard on the court together. I know. But, but you know, uh w- you know, we're we're in too deep now to to be questioning <laughs> stuff like that. You know, t- we're just going through it. We're just gonna see how it goes and and maybe it works. But if it doesn't, then A D will have to be be the full time five, and those those two will just have to play backup minutes when Russell Westbrook's off the floor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and that's going to be an interesting fit. I am looking forward to seeing how that all comes together. not excited about it, per se, because like you said, you go from someone who brought in a, a wealth of elites outside shooting acumen slash a threat of that to two guys now who, like, you're not worried about them. They're, you know, three-point three, three point line, 20 feet from the basket, 15 feet from the basket, 10, 5, you know, if it's right around the dunker spot, like, yes. Yeah. And if not, things get fickle. Like, Dwight has, like, weird thing of hitting a three every once in a while, like, you know, when it doesn't matter. Um. But, like, that's not his game at all. And DeAndre Jordan, like, come on now. Like, he just got the free throws down. So, I'm just, yeah. I'm with you. Hopefully they do it that exact way, that exact formula. But even then, I mean, at least you had some more spacing when you tried that last time. You know, by having LeBron play kind of that point guard spot, having another guy, Danny Green or Avery Bradley, who could try to do, you know, the, the three, kind of 3 and D kind of spot alongside the Call of Hope. And then, of course, AD. Like, there was more in terms of the the, the the way the roster was constructed to have some shooting there that you're not going to have now because alongside LeBron, you're taking that 3 and D guy altogether out and replacing Russell Westbrook. And you don't know, have KCP, so it's probably going to be Wayne Allenton, and then, of course, AD and himself, and then Dwight. So it, the court just gets smaller just from that alone. Now, whether you could still just batter opposing teams with your athleticism and your physicality, yeah, no one's saying that's not possible, more than likely the case, but it is definitely different than 2020, even if they're trying to replicate that formula to a certain degree.
1: Yeah, but look, in 2020, they won the championship by punching teams in the mouth and just saying, we're not really going to hit at that many threes, But we are going to punish you in the paint, regardless of whether you try to defend us or not. Like, we're going to punish you in the paint. They're doubling down on that. And I do think guys like Kent Bazemore, Trevor Riza, Carmelo Anthony, Wayne Ellington, Kendrick Nunn will be important in terms of providing spacing in those Westbrook, LeBron, AD lineups. But but I do think that they're going to punch teams in the mouth again. And look, there is no better trio in the NBA, probably in the last decade, at getting to the rim and punching people in the mouth than mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis.
0: Very true. Historically, we've seen that. That's a very good thing going. The recipe to success there is consistent. It's easy, and you put them together and see what happens. So, yeah, I mean, listen, we got the NBA season starting in, what, just just under, just under over 40 some days. It's going to be a lot of fun long year. I'm excited to look forward to that for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. going to be a really fun year.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, And with that, let's um, transition from that to our next uh, topic, uh, uh, the one I'm really excited about. We're starting this on our – we're starting this on Ramball Ramble for a couple of different drafts with a couple of different really cool people across Twitter. Um, Like I said, the classic, quote, unquote, NBA 3 redrafts. um, And we, that's myself and Ron, are going to look back just under 10 years ago 2012 nba draft um and honestly i mean listen i think we both were, we were talking about this just before we started um here Ron, about how like you know the first couple of picks all right like easy like surefire you know i mean one of them is like just one of the consensus like top five top number one pick since like you know lebron and such and then another guy's like right there um another guy's really good and after that like it's gonna get very interesting very fast and um what we're yeah. doing um we're going through the lottery Um, so what, just the 14, um, just kind of breaking those down. That should be a lot of fun in and of itself. Um, but we're going to take turns. I'm going to have Ron go first, of course, guest first. Uh, and we're going to just talk about that and maybe, you know, give our own analysis and the team situation. But Ron, I mean, first off, when you looked at this, what did, what were your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, this is a five man draft and, and really (laughs) like, it's five really, really great NBA players. And then, from six to 14 like if we had tried to do the first round I'm not even sure I could have completed it like I this is this is not a deep draft at all even doing the lottery like the 14th guy that uh, the guy I have going 14th in this redraft is a guy who's currently making minimum money to play like a deep backup role so it, wow. it, it got pretty deep pretty quick this is not this is not an overloaded draft this is a top heavy five player draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, you said it, and it, it was, wow. I mean, looking back, it's so funny, and I mean, a lot of these are also available on YouTube, like, a lot of these, um, you know, full NBA drafts, and you listen to how they're compared, and you get the hype and everything, and then you, like, giving it that time to really marinate and see how these guys, you know, players, like, develop. Like, for the one thing, I'm happy, hey, get your money, all of that, like, actually make a career of itself. Like, yeah, not everyone's going to be, like, a top, like, you know, next franchise change in town. Like, if you look at how much of that is for like compared to how much people talk about that, it's 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 a it's a wide difference. But at the same time, like, whoa. Like a lot of these were just like all over the place. Really crazy. And, and yeah. you know, let's start with the sure things that we have. Um let's go let's go with you first, Ron. Who's number one uh overall for you?
1: Yeah, the number one pick stays the number one pick. The New Orleans Hornets right. select Anthony Davis. Uh that's that's a no brainer for me at least. Uh, Anthony Davis is not only the best player in this class, he's he's one of the five best players in the NBA today. Ten years later, um, he he is incredible, and he yeah he he is number one.
0: I'm right there with you. Not really anything to really discuss. Um, defensive menace. Uh, l- look at how well he was pedigree then. Um, he's been a three-time finisher in the top ten of MVP voting. Like yeah, that that's the guy. That's the guy number one. Um, no surprises there. Uh, number two. That's me. That that might be a little bit of a surprise. Um, but like, come on, it's 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 time for a change. It's game time, and that's who I'm going with. Damian Lillard, uh, second overall. Uh, listen, Dame has played one so much more in terms of being on the court and available. Second, just being that star talent. I mean, he is total points. If you look at assists, if you look at three pointers made, he's at the top of that one. Like, this guy is. Probably the closest facsimile we've seen, or the closest guy we've seen to like literally one of the greatest point guards like around. Um uh, that'd be Seth Curry. His ability to just shoot the ball from what 30, 30 plus, you know, put yeah. his team on his back, drop 50 points in a playoff game because that's what's needed to be done. Um, just bring it all. I mean, defensively, you could like pick some nits on him for sure. Um, but like offensively, is there a bigger threat? Like, he sent two teams home now, like, two teams home in the postseason. Um, yeah. And, and that's for someone who's had like you know relatively um, average postseason teams with you know subpar postseason success. Somebody who is just, I mean, this guy is, is a monster. It's a monster on the offensive end. Um, just future Hall of Famer. Like I think, I mean, this guy is this. There's, there's so much to say about Damian Lillard, but he is easily number two. Um, which is funny because I'm gonna also compare it to who was picked, and that was uh Michael K. Gilchrist, uh, who had a, a, a decent. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm going to stop there. But exactly. Like, imagine imagine the Charlotte Bobcats who at that point need to help in every position. I mean, at 2012, they had just drafted Kemba Walker the year before. Um, you either make that work or, or you find a way around it. But you draft for the best guy available. And Damian Lillard is clearly that guy. I mean, it's, it's not even it's not even a, a discussion, really.
1: Yeah, look, drafting for need, in my opinion, drafting for need is overrated. Take the best player available, regardless. And so, yeah, Damian Lillard at two is exactly what I have too. I mean, this—he is—he is is incredible. Like, he actually has uh, a higher win shares and a higher VORP than Anthony Davis for his career. Obviously, Anthony Davis had some injury concerns earlier in his career and last season, so he's had that. But um, yeah, I mean, Damian Lillard's the clear cut number two to Anthony Davis in this draft. It. It really again. This is a five player draft. It gets it starts getting interesting at six.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, let, yeah. Let's kind of keep mowing through. Then your turn. Let's let's get down to six. I'm mentally trying to put my head who goes first for six.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so at three, I'm actually sticking with what happened. The Washington Wizards select Bradley Beal. Um, might be unpopular. I know there's one guy that you could argue putting ahead of Beal here, but I think I think it's just it makes so much it made so much sense when they drafted him then. And he is stuck with them and he has become this this Washington guy. Like this is just who he is now. And I I don't think there's a reason to change it. I think Wizards still select Beale.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, he's someone that has been uh clearly the pillar of their team for the last couple of years, especially since the loss of John Wall. He's really stepped up his scoring in a major way. And, um, won one scoring title right on the cusp of winning another this past season. Um someone that, you know, you you probably want another guy just a little bit better than him, but, like, if you have him as your, like, set piece, you're already in a solid start in terms of playoff contention, um, just, just provide your team has at least some decent depth and is not just completely surrounded by the remnants of squads from years past, like that 2019 Wizards team was. But, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. There's not really a whole lot to add there. Uh, the guy knows how to get buckets. He's really improved his floor game uh, in a major way, and he's just been an offensive force, and I think that that has shown um, his, his... uh. Growth in his ball handling, in his passing ability. He didn't really come in with those talents, like honed to the way that they are. So that's somebody who went to work and really, you know, developed that further. And yeah, that that's the perfect fit there, um, just where he should have been in Washington. So I guess now I have Cleveland. And uh, I went back and forth between two players, um, namely Draymond Green and the guy I ended up picking. Uh, but I ended up picking Chris Middleton. Okay. And I'm taking Chris Middleton, I think he's a guy who kind of does a little bit of everything. Um, best high-volume three-point shooter, especially, uh, especially um, I would say, in this class next to Dame, of course. Somebody who will get you, like, 20, you know, six rebounds and, like, five assists. He's kind of has a do-it-all type of style. Um, he really grew into, like, a great second option. Um for Milwaukee after kind of starting in, in Detroit, but I think in Cleveland, you give him the chance to kind of have the ball and, and, and just see, you know, put him through a pressure cooker in terms of seeing what kind of stuff he can kind of develop on the fly. um And then of course, building around him in that way. And, and, you know, you'd be in the draft more than likely next year, seeing who they bring in addition to that. Uh, Draymond Green was going to be the guy for me, but I just, I don't know if I want Draymond Green just like, I don't know. Draymond Green to me, I think is important who he plays with alongside others as well. And looking at the fit between um, Milton there and Green there, I just like Milton there being a guy who, like, okay, he's going to come in, going to be the archetypal three who can put the ball in the basket, you know, and also uh, create some shots for himself and others, where I think Draymond is a little more dependent on the talent surrounding him, um, and that's why I didn't pick him. But that, 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 that might be one that's interesting. I, I want to get your take on that.
1: Yeah, so I had Cleveland picking Draymond Green here, um, oh, yeah. mainly because I think him and Kyrie Irving would actually be a really interesting fit. And yeah. Then, uh-huh. And then you know, only only two years later, LeBron James comes back, and I that'd be that'd be pretty scary. I mean, if you're if you're thinking about those Warriors-Cavs finals for those four straight years, what does it look like if Draymond's on the other side of it? Like it's it's such a it's such a fascinating debate. It's such a fascinating thing. So. I did have Cleveland taking Draymond, but I, I I totally get why you go Middleton there.
0: Yeah, and I, 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 like I said, I went back and forth on this. I liked I, – I thought the fit might be weird. I'm not going to lie. Like, I look at Kyrie, I look at Steph Curry, and, like, they're both very talented players, but they're both, in my mind, kind of different players, you know? And yep. I'm like, you know what? I I, nah, I don't know. Like, I could see Chris Middleton being a guy who could play off of Kyrie in a better fit. Then, yeah, Draymond Green could be, of course, a better fit, but he could also not be a very good fit, in my mind. And whereas I feel like Chris Middleton, like, you're going to get what you're going to get from him, and that's a pretty solid play. So, yeah, I went that way, but I knew that it might be a little different. So I'm I'm glad that you had the other perspective on that, because I was almost there as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. Chris Middleton, and, and we can move on to number five, because it's the same. We're talking about the same two guys. Uh, I had Sacramento taking Chris Middleton and and my thing was with Chris Middleton is you can just plug him into any system and Chris Middleton will be Chris Middleton. And that's <laughs> that's that's really a, a very unique skill set that he has. Um, I, I do like him in Sacramento. I think building around him would have been a lot easier than whatever they had going on in, in 20 in 2012, which was not much. So they, 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 by the way, they originally took Thomas <laughs> Robinson with this pick. Oh uh, my
0: goodness. Thomas blast on the pass Robinson.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I definitely think that having Chris Middleton to build around would have made them probably a better team right now, or they probably would have traded him for nothing because they're a, you know, <laughs> they're a poverty <laughs> franchise, you know, that's, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So that I, I do have that, but I, I'm interested to hear your take on, on dream on to Sacramento.
0: Um. Yeah. No. Ooh. That is. That is fun. Um. I mean. Okay. I, I think it's fun because like it's like an open blank canvas. I mean, they had. Okay. You got a Demarcus Cousins front court. A Demarcus Cousins, Draymond Green front court. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, he, both of those guys give you some decent playmaking. Um. Both of those guys theoretically can shoot a little bit. Um, at least early Draymond, and you know Demarcus Cousins is probably not early Demarcus Cousins, but later on, um, you know you get you're probably gonna be in the lottery next season, so you get like a good guard or something. Uh, that could be a very solid foundation, you know. Um, and again, defensively he raises up the entire um back end of that team, you know. I mean he's 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 literally the single best defensive player in this class, bar none, one of the best defensive players in this era, period. Like. The guys, the guy's are stud there. I think in Sacramento, like you look at Sacramento and you're like, hey, you know, they're not not very good. You know, to quote what you said, the poverty franchise. I mean, Sacramento, I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but like at least, re- you know, last 12 years or so, that's what it's been. But you look at somebody who fits in on a team that could um, do what Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Robinson definitely um, didn't do in Sacramento. But um, you look at a guy like that, I think that, yeah. I, I think I, I, like, I like that fit theoretically. I think that it's, it's not like a great fit for the first year, but that team would have been at this position with whoever's available, that team would probably still be in the lottery the next year. Nobody in this spot right now is going to come in outside of those top three, four guys and like say, okay, you know what? Sacramento, we're going to the playoffs again. You know what I mean? Like you'd probably be in that same position next year um, and then kind of making moves based off of that. But yeah, defensively, that that's a nice little combo there between uh, Green and uh, Cousins.
1: Yeah, Draymond could make up for a lot of DeMarcus Cousins. Even in DeMarcus Cousins' prime, he he had shortcomings defensively. And I think Draymond would have essentially erased those. And then DeMarcus could have done exactly that offensively for Draymond, where he could have covered up for what Draymond really has almost nothing of an offensive game. So I, I think that would have been really great for both of them. They would have been able to grow together. It it could have worked. I I totally see where you're coming from there.
0: Oh yes, for sure, for sure, and I, I guess that means that it's me next for number six, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh man, all right. Um, no, I'm just not gonna overthink it. Uh, let's just let's go with uh, Andre Drummond. Okay. Um, I was torn between Andre Drummond and Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a tough one, but I feel like I feel like if I'm looking at what Portland would have done. Um, I mean, they ended up at one point having some really odd bigs. I mean, you had uh, both, what, at one point, J.J. Hickson and Robin Lopez at different points playing alongside LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, yes. In fact, I think the year after, they ended up playing J.J. Hickson. So, like, if you're going to bring in a guy who's not exactly a great fit, like a big man around a uh, shooting four like LaMarcus, then, like, I feel like Andre Drummond is one of the best fits you can get for that type of archetype. Like the guy gobbles boards. You know, he always has. Yeah. Um he has done that since he came to the NBA. Um offensively we know how not great he is athletically, I mean it's probably overstated, let's just say that. Um but like <laughs> the guy is is a monster. Um and you know I think that his classic center kind of archetype would fit in perfectly on a Portland team that has always kind of wanted um a big man of that caliber to place alongside Lamarcus aldridge during that aldridge era.
1: Yeah, and I, I actually, uh, I agree with you on this. I, I did go Drummond as well at, at this position just because you're right. I, I like the fit with LaMarcus Aldridge, and obviously they picked Damian Lillard here. So, you know, they were downgrading just by virtue of it being a redraft. They were going to downgrade. Um, but, yeah, I think Andre Drummond would have been a really good fit. And, uh, yeah, I, I same as you. It was between Harrison Barnes and Andre Drummond, and I just decided that for what the team needed at that time, the better player was Andre Drummond so both both things both best player available and uh, you know fit I think Andre Drummond fits that bill over Harrison Barnes.
0: Well okay okay i see I'm, I'm that's perfect that that's right in line I'm glad we kind of agreement there on a draft that is very interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, all right yeah let's get your let's get your number seven.
1: Yeah so with the with the seventh overall pick the Golden State Warriors they still take Harrison Barnes that's this is who they took at seven. <laughs> in 2012, and this is who they take at seven now. Um, Obviously, he fits perfectly. Like, (laughs) obviously, this is the right guy for them to draft because this is, I mean, this is who they drafted and this is who they won a championship with. So I I think this was, this was always the right pick for them. Harrison Barnes is really, and I like what he's done in Sacramento. He's really evolved his game, but he, he's always been the perfect guy that you can just stick next to any good point guard, any good shooting guard, and he mm-hmm. can raise the ceiling of your team with his ability to shoot and his defense. He's he's a really underrated player in my eyes. I don't think he's some superstar, but he's a really good player that can raise the ceiling of your team.
0: No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's someone that's you're right. He's going to do just come in, you know, I and mean, this is someone who came in already with with a good pedigree. You know what I mean? Someone who became what top end starter, like this guy was, yes, like hundred percent agree with you, like just hundred percent agree with you in terms of how solid that he was. This is funny that 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 hand and glove fit there,
1: yeah, I mean he he was a starter on a championship team in his what fourth NBA season or third NBA season, like yeah can't do much better than that. <laughs>
0: no and slotted in perfectly. like no fuss, you know, even now, post his his um warriors career, like he's been. Solid.
1: Yeah. He's a solid NBA starter and, and with the seventh overall pick, it's it's hard to do much better than a than a solid NBA starter.
0: Exactly. Someone you know can sod in, you know, is going to give you what he's going to give you, um, be reliable in that role. Like, yes, he's not a, a world shaker or anything like that, but you already kind of gave the attributes of him being a, a razor in his own way. And that's hundred percent accurate when you look at a guy like Harrison Barnes. So yeah, totally with you there. Um
1: All right, you're on to eight. <laughs> oh
0: man, number eight. All right, so again, We were stuck between, well, for me, it was three people because I feel like they all kind of fit the same type of role. Um, I was either looking at Terrence Ross, who, you know, was already kind of the actual pick, um, Evan Fournier, and Jay Crowder. And I ended up going with, uh, I ended up going with Jay Crowder.
1: Me too. Just just before you, I
0: also did that and I didn't like it either. (laughs) No, no, it just doesn't. I I looked at him. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm trying to again put my head on those like raptor squads. I'm like, you know, offense would be something that was needed, but Terrence Watts probably just gave you offense. You know, Um, defensive Mm -hmm. wasn't that much. Evan Fournier, like the same thing. You know, he has low block rates, low steal and rebound rates. Like, well, if he's not scoring, what is he really doing? And he's a high-use-usage offensive player, so he's probably coming off the bench a la Terrence Ross. But then you look at Jay Crowder, like, yes, that's a different flavor, but, like, that's a totally different flavor. Like, you know, like, <laughs> defensively, you get getting someone who's solid, you know, strong, can play the four. It's a streaky three-point shooter. You would replicate that later when you bring in guys like um, Damari Carroll and P.J. Tucker, um, if you're the Raptors. Uh, but, I mean, I'm looking, I'm like, you know what? He's shown his ability to be in winning teams and play a high, highly effective role. Um, we saw it with Miami. We saw it with Phoenix. Like, he's a valuable player. Um Again, like you said, not feeling 100% great about it, but, like, a combo forward that is not offense first but can, like, be decent enough on offense and solid enough on defense. Like, you know, we just said if a a long career, you know, at Harrison Barnes is enough for seventh, you know, a solid pro, I guess we're in that same kind of argument slash vein when we look at Crowder at 8 to Toronto.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he's just... He's just solid like he's he's a he's a good NBA player. He he can shoot the three at a respectable clip. He defends in a respect like he's just you know, he's just your average NBA player. He's he's good. And at eight, you know, I, I think you could stand to do a lot worse than that. Toronto, obviously, they were uh, they were right at the midst of contending at this point, 2012, they started they started being a really good team about two years after this. So a guy like Jay Crowder would have helped
0: hmm Exactly. And I think that you're looking at some, especially in that development system with Toronto, who knows what he may have grown as far as additional skills. Um, mm-hmm. and that's maybe me projecting a little too much there, but that is my hopefully optimistic take on taking Jay Crowder at eight.
1: <laughs> Completely fair. All right. All right. Let's see what's going on at nine. So at nine, it was Detroit. They originally took Andre Drummond. I had them going, uh, I was torn between two guys for this. I, I'm I'm having them pick Maurice Harkless. Um, oh oh wow okay. Mo, Mo Harkless is my guy with this pick. Um, and honestly, I I really like Mo Harkless. I've liked him for a long time. He's a guy that like I always wished somehow, some way would have ended up on the Lakers just because he. He just is a really good fit wherever he goes. He's a guy who, he's not incredible. He doesn't, you know, completely change the outlook of your team, but he really fits on any roster. You can plug him anywhere, and he will find a way to make it work because his skill set is very adaptable. So I, I do like him a lot, and I think he he's the right pick at nine. For me, he was the ninth best player in this draft.
0: Yes, yes, very, very solid. Uh, uh, wow, that, that is one I wasn't thinking of. But he is, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Rangy, you know, uh, shoots decently enough. Uh, I think his actual fit on, on this squad here, uh, four to, like, yeah, that's, we're looking at guys right now that are, like, really, like, decent glue guys, you know?
1: Yeah. But if, this is, look, the NBA draft is an interesting thing because we know the stats on this. Only two to three guys every year really become stars. The rest is just like getting role players, and so I, I feel like Mo Harkless is the quintessential role player, and so at nine it made sense.
0: Yeah, totally on board with that for sure, for sure. Um, wow, I, I guess now we're going to uh, New Orleans.
1: And New Orleans picks again, so this is you.
0: You know what? Uh, again torn. Do we want Evan Fournier as a shooter, or are we looking at? you know, a a guy like Austin Rivers, you know? Um, Or are we even going to go a little crazy with Michael Michael Kidd? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Okay, so... (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) I was torn between Fournier and Austin Rivers in terms of who would be a better fit alongside who we were was going to go number one, AD to New Orleans. Um, And I ended up going with Austin Rivers still. Uh, I feel like Evan Fournier is a passable playmaker. Maybe a more consistent offensive quote-unquote threat alongside, um, alongside River, alongside uh Davis, but he's also someone again I already said high usage. Um, his teams have performed better on defense without him. He's not bringing you anything on the other end of the floor. And like, if you're gonna go with someone who's just actively destructive on the other end of the floor, uh, at least Austin Rivers, who like was not great at all. In fact, he was pretty bad in New Orleans. <laughs> but like, we're kind of picking nits at this point. You know what? No, I'm gonna switch it all up. We're going with Barton.
1: Okay, he completely <laughs> changed
0: it. He We're said, oh. Will <laughs> because if my argument for like not picking Evan Fournier is that he's not as bad as Austin Rivers, who was not great in New Orleans, like let's just go differently altogether. Uh, Will Barton can pull the ball in the basket, pass the ball on defense." above average in terms of playmaking. We've seen what he does in Denver. Um, I think he can cook and do it quite well alongside uh, Anthony Davis. I'm just going to switch it up. We pulled a one, two, three takes, and we we're taking Will Barton time.
1: <laughs> Interesting. So I actually, I I went someone that you weren't even considering. I went with Terrence Ross for this pick.
0: Ooh, uh, oh my gosh, yes. That would been nice. I wasn't even on my radar. I he slipped out my mind.
1: Yeah, I went with Terrence Ross for this pick just because, man, just imagine that athleticism next to Anthony Davis. I mean, he, look, Terrence Ross is obviously not like he's not some special game changer, but he he's athletic. He's quick. He can score. He can kind of defend a little bit here and there. Uh, and I think he would have been really nice next to Anthony Davis.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I I think that would have been a great fit. I don't know what. I Wow, that is. That is very solid. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why he's totally still in my mind, but somebody could fill it up. Someone who showed me can be explosive on the offensive end who can play, you know, he's all right. On the other end, I mean, it's not great, yeah. but like you know, a high flyer, you kind of get that as well. Uh, three point shooting ability. I mean, Davis teams are starved for consistent three point shooting for most of his time there. Yeah, when you bring that all down, I'm kicking myself that I didn't. I froze and freaked out and went for for Will Barton. <laughs> but yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, look, Will Barton is a solid guy. I will have him picked in in our lottery, but it's just it's not it's not to New Orleans at ten.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, well, let's get you. Speaking of that, then, let's get you on to the next pick. We got what three more left?
1: Yeah, we got well 11 through 14. We got four here.
0: Oh, four more left. Whoops.
1: Yeah, so 11. We're back on Portland. So originally we both had Portland taking Andre Drummond, and now I have them taking Evan Fournier, uh, getting getting a guy who can score. He is a he's a really solid offensive player, and I think if we're looking at Evan Fournier, Lamarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond in Portland, it's not better than Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. But it's interesting, right? Like, it's something.
0: It is. I, I, so, like, in terms of fit, what do you, what, what do you see with that? So I, I, see, I
1: see Evan Fournier as just uh, a good, pure scorer. I think he fits really well with LaMarcus Aldridge offensively. I know defensively that team would have its struggles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andre Drummond would be asked to erase a lot more mistakes than he's capable of erasing. Um, but but I think Evan Fournier and LaMarcus Aldridge is a really interesting offensive combo, especially back then. Obviously, today it's a little different, but back then that would have been really, really solid.
0: Honestly, no, you make a good point. Like, you're bringing him in for a clearly defined role. Yeah. I, think, I think that that's a lot more helpful than not. You know what I mean? Like, he's not having to worry about being shoehorned in a spot where he has to outperform expectations. Like, no, you can do offense good. You're a role player. I mean, that's what he is. Um, and now he's yeah. being drafted more in that role player range, so I'm with you.
1: Yeah, so that, that's kind of who I have at eleven. Let's see, let's see who you're going with at twelve, though.
0: All right, so Houston Rockets. Uh, they pursued this guy in free agency. Um, brought in Elijah one, which I thought was a complete joke. Um, you know, it made a big pitch, but you know, 2015 was kind of crazy. Um, we're going to uh, the the Kent Bazemore, the Kent Bazemore guy, the Kent Bazemore, Bazemore story. Four years, seventy million. You know, <laughs> we're going with him. Uh, he was. Well, apparently in college, like just a really strong defensive guy, we've seen the value he's provided for multiple teams, you know, with, well, a few teams, but the Hawks, you know, the Blazers, the Kings, you know, the Warriors, in terms of him being, you know, kind of all over the place in terms of a team defender, but a really kind of solid one-on-one defender, someone who could create a little bit of offense for himself. Uh, maybe a little bit of offense for others, just maybe, like, just enough. Uh, Decent three-point shooting. um, Let's just say average three-point shooting. And I think that's a solid role player for a team um, in Houston that's kind of starting to build that up now. I mean, this is just before James Harden, so I don't want to really go into, like, what that team was. uh, But they're a team right now where, like, a guys like him, Fit perfectly on that squad. I mean, anyone on this type of roster at this point would be either movable, you know, if a deal like a Harden or superstar kind of came along, or could kind of grow with that squad. And I think if you get a young um, Ken Bazemore, give him a lot of minutes off the gate to kind of grow, which he didn't really get a whole lot, you know, starting um, with Golden State and the Lakers, um, and kind of seeing what he could be. I mean, the guy, six four, seven foot wingspan, uh, and again, a perfectly average NBA player. I think on a team where he could be a very solid uh, rotation wing. Uh, especially a team that was kind of being competitive and yet also rebuilding, I think it was a nice fit.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, I agree with you. I didn't go with Kent Bazemore. I went with someone who's kind of similar, and we've talked about him, uh, Will Barton. I have Will Barton okay. at 12, and, and it's a, it's almost everything you said about Kent Bazemore, but I'm saying it about Will Barton. Um, <laughs> and you know what's so weird is when I first, when we first agreed to do 2012, I looked into this draft, I forgot how old Will Barton was like, Will Barton is from the same draft class as all these guys, and I'm thinking, like, I thought Will Barton, like, if you would ask me before I looked it up how old Will Barton was, I would have said, like, I don't know, 25, 26. Like, he he is so much older. He's been in the league so much longer than I thought, but mm-hmm. still a solid role player, and I think he would have fit well with Houston for all the same reasons you said about Bazemore.
0: Okay, they, I mean, unless when we can get guys who fit in those ways, I mean they're doing the job they're intended to do. Like this is this is good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean look, it, it's just funny same. that
0: yeah, you're right. These guys are, you know, like it's been almost ten years, these guys are like early thirties, getting near their mid thirties for some, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. And so I guess with that, it's back to you for thirteen. Thirteen. Where yep. are we going with the uh, Phoenix Suns?
1: Phoenix Suns can't base more. <laughs> <They're> <laughs>
0: <greatest>. <laughs> okay. I- <laughs>
1: I have him at 13. Um, again, I think I think he and Will Barton, I, I do think at this moment, like 2021, Kent Bazemore is a slightly more productive player than Will Barton, and I think he's been a better player than Will Barton throughout his career. I really just picked Will Barton because I think Will Barton is a guy that had a lot of untapped potential, and we're kind of a little late in his career for that potential to be found, but I really liked his game for a very long time. And so I felt that if he got a fresh start in a different situation and one like Houston where he could be put in a situation where he can really help a team win right off the bat, I I felt like it would have been better for him. That's why I put him there. Kent Bazemore, I think, has been the better player. But I I really just, for some reason, Will Barton had untapped potential for me.
0: I mean, you know what? I like that. You're right. I mean, there's something more to explore. I I would agree with you. I think there's more there. Um, in terms of Will Barton, I mean, we see what he can do not only in in Portland, but also kind of being like a pseudo-secondary guy in Denver. Um, Then we see from Ken Bazemore, who more or less has been that guy, even when he was paid the amount of money he was paid to be a different guy in Atlanta, they got very much the same guy that they Mm -hmm. had looked at already. Like, Ken Bazemore is Ken Bazemore. I don't know how high that ceiling is to a game where Will Barton, you can talk yourself and to a certain extent be justified um, in seeing a a different um, element of his his game. So I'm totally with you on that.
1: Yeah, so that leaves us with uh with fourteen, our version of Mr. Irrelevant, but still a lottery pick.
0: Exactly. I am gonna go, and this was not easy at all, but I'm gonna go for fourteen. Uh this was tough because I was picking between two guys, one of whom is no longer in the league, at least at this point up to now, but like I still think it would be a, a decent fit. And one guy who I'm like, do I really want to take him fourteen? Um uh, I'm, we're just gonna talk this two together. Um, <laughs> I have <laughs> Dion Waiters and Jermichael Green. Okay. What do you think about those two
1: guys? So, so I'll give uh-huh. you some insight into what I was thinking. So I have Austin Rivers here. Um, and okay. I was between I was between Austin Rivers and Dion Waiters. So Jermichael Green was not really a part of my. Equ- I saw his name and I said, ah, maybe, but I I I think Dion Waiters is just. He's. I know he's not in the league, but he, like, I don't know. His peak feels better than Jermichael Green's. Like, Deion Waiters is such an entertaining, fun player. Um, and I think Jermichael Green, he's more just your your classic role player, but he's not nearly as good as some of the other guys we've been talking about. So I just, I felt like Deion Waiters was a good departure from the type of player we had been looking at.
0: Wow. Yeah, he, yeah, he is, um... He he is definitely someone I thought of for a minute. Is is it's something else. It's something else. Because part of me goes, okay, Jermichael Green, like we saw how he grew out his three point shot, right? We saw how he um like became this like I don't know. I feel like he became a serviceable role player. Deion Waiters yeah. had his highs for sure, but I feel like he ended up as a role player as well. But I'm with you. Like if you're talking about someone that's probably more lottery pick worthy, yeah, we're gonna go Deion Waiters. I'm with you. I just, I just think uh, how green, how good Green was in Memphis. Like imagine if he had more of a chance of that going a little earlier, you know? Yeah, no, I, I
1: agree. Look, Jamichael Green's solid. I'm really, I was thinking more like we talked so much about role players and guys who are just, just classic three and D wings. And I, I wanted a departure from that, and look, there is no greater departure than uh, than good old Dion Waiters.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. He's um, wow, he he he's somebody who knows a Philly Philly cheese. Yeah. <laughs> what can you say? I'm still like, I'm still funny enough stressing about my decision because I'm like, <laughs> wow, that is, yeah, that's a solid one. I think that that closes out such an interesting, such an interesting list. I'm looking at these other guys. And I'm like. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't have to talk about, like, Festus Azili or, like, Miles Plumley or Darius Miller. Um, I, I, would, I would
1: have talked about those guys anyway. I don't – those are not guys we <laughs> <to> talked about.
0: <laughs> Myers, yeah, Myers Leonard. Like, this is such an interesting – yeah, interesting squad for sure. Wow, man. Well, thank you for not only helping me, like I said, kind of break down the Marc Gasol uh, conversation, but also – getting me on the first track of this classic redraft like i definitely realize now to evaluate something a little more differently this kind of this definitely fun i had a lot of fun doing this but like i'm looking at my list going okay corbin like we need to reevaluate your draft skills buddy (laughs) these were definitely a whole lot of fun though man but listen ron tell tell the the folks where they can find you again you do a lot of work all over the place so definitely share that and um yeah let's, let's get that let's get that out to the people
1: yeah, so obviously uh, we talked about it. You find me on Twitter at RonGutterman24. I'm on LakersNation.com, AngelsNation.com. That's it's where I do all my work. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm always looking for more for more followers, more company on Twitter. So any way to make that happen.
0: There you go. There you go. Totally with that, man, Ron. Thank you again for coming on, gracing with your time. We have to make this a thing again. Um, 100% on board. So definitely whenever that can happen, you let me know. You know we're going to do it.
1: All right, no no, no problem there.
0: Really appreciate that, man. Definitely. Make sure uh, on Twitter to check me out, at CorbinNBA. Um, Hoopball on Twitter, at HoopballTweets, online, hoop-ball.com. Uh, for my friend Ron, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.